So, yani, this is this is for recording purposes. Yani, I do have a podcast that has that I put. Yani, I have two conversations with two King's teachers, mm-hmm. and I'll probably put you on this one too because we're just talking about something serious. Sure. So, Mr. Muhammad, hello, Salam. Hello, Fik. We have uh, about 40 minutes, and I have uh, really a lot of questions that I would love to learn about. Firstly, it's um, your journey started here in the middle school. As a teacher, yes. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? Um, good. Actually, my journey as a teacher started before middle school when I joined SUP as a volunteer teacher. Um, so my journey with education in general um, started when I taught in SUP, mm. kids of that age. Um, and SUP, also a little bit middle school, gives you the freedom that you're not... You're tied to content, but also have a little bit of flexibility to move around with what best suits the kids. Mm. Um, and sometimes your students could be very excited about learning a particular topic and you go and cover a lot more than what you had expected. Sometimes they're not having a great day and you cover half of what you expected. Um, but working with my students from SUP and understanding education is not just about the content, it's about the skills and teaching the students that they have grit in them when they want to do something they're excited about. Um, learning to direct that grit and direct the energy and enthusiasm they have about a certain topic uh, was something that I found to be very exciting. And for me, it was wanting to do that with the engineering. So even so, when I rejoined King's, even though my first year was in the middle school, uh, we already had the understanding that the following year I would be in the upper school working on the engineering class or teaching the engineering class. So this was an idea that you guys had before you joined King's? Yeah. When I interviewed in February, I um, saw John Austin, John Leisler, Misreem Abu Rahma, um, and Nuna Sami, I think, was a part of that as well. Um, and Matt, was, Matt Westman. Um, I talked like my interview was talking about the engineering class mm. uh, and I joined Kings in April of that year and at first I was uh, helping with the um, learning center and around middle school knowing that the next year I'll be middle school for a whole year mm. uh, but then the following one I'll be back in upper school teaching my engineering class because I needed to work on it and fine-tune it it's a one thing to have an outline for a year-long course of these are the topics that we will cover these are the textbooks but when it comes to day in, day out, this is the class we're covering here. These are the learning outcomes for this class. Or these are the learning outcomes for this whole unit, how it connects to the next unit. How are you going to space the time, what homework assignments are. It's starting a whole class from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took a, a little bit of time to actually develop. And so what was the, the argument, basically, before you came in, the proposal that you have? What was your argument in terms of why this was important? Uh, for me, it was... Coming from the perspective of, um, as you know, um, I studied engineering. I worked in engineering for two years in consulting. My master's was in engineering. So at some point, I wanted to shift my... I, I also taught in sub before. So for me, it was about combining my passion about teaching and education and engineering into one. So that's where the idea of coming up with an engineering class for Kings came in handy. And I started thinking about, you know what, what do high school students know? What are the general topics of engineering that could be covered at a lower level? It doesn't have to be at a higher level. Um, and so when I met with John Austin, 
uh, and the crew in Boston, turns out they were looking for something like that. They didn't know what or how. So it was such a great interview because I was proposing this class and then John Austin was talking about we want to create a capstone class but for STEM, for science, technology, engineering and math. And if mm -hmm. we can create a capstone type class. And the idea I had for my class fit perfectly with what John Austin wanted for that class. Mm. So it came at a such a good timing because Kings was starting to look to explore what can we do in that field. And I already had both, they didn't even formulate the question. And I came having the question and the answer of the engineering class and how it's going to work. Wow. So just uh, kind of hand in hand basically came in and, uh, and the middle school allowed you to kind of work on it on the side, like, think about it more but also work on your teaching and and uh, sharing it with uh, with the kids maybe yes because middle for a uh, middle school allows you to do a little bit more project-based learning uh there isn't as much emphasis on standard way of assessment so i got to explore a lot in the middle school with you know what i want to teach unit this way this unit in this way and i want to teach this unit i want to give you a project you know what this unit like for example one time this is the flexibility that's sort of nice with the middle school i had two sections of eighth grade math for one unit one section was doing amazing and they were doing great uh, another was not as on task in class and um, whatnot so uh, literally for one unit we had the celebration of learning which in middle school language is test day yes. uh, but we celebrate our learning so i told them like a week before if you continue this this, I told the section that was doing well, keep doing the same worksheet, Suhaik, and we will actually celebrate. So the day where it's celebration of learning, bring snacks, come, we'll sit outside, mm. we'll have some cocoa, and we'll join, like we'll enjoy our the class's company, but not in, uh, about math. The other section, they actually had to take a test. Mm. Uh, and it's because, again, for these students, I had 11 in this section and 12 in this section. I knew these 11 had it covered. They've done enough work. They've got it. So this flexibility of knowing how like middle school taught me of how to adapt to students' abilities and needs mm. at the same time, which is very helpful for a class like the engineering class. Of course. And so uh, what year is this for the engineering class? Uh, this is, ooh, this will be my fourth year. Wow. Teaching the class. And uh, thinking about the four years, you know, from where it started and, how it is today, how, how, how do you feel? It's improved, but there's still a lot more improvement okay. to happen. Um, one thing, so the engineering class, the first semester is semi-set at this point. We cover some technical material. They have a test on Tuesday. Uh, they have two regular tests, and then the rest is project. So after Tuesday, they'll continue working on their spring project, uh, a spring card project, which every student is just given, or every two students are given one spring, and they have to build a car that's only powered by the spring. Uh, and they can't spend more than 20 JDs on it. Literally, that's the project. And then they compete. They get to choose if they want to compete for distance or accuracy. If it's distance, they have to cover uh, on the day of the competition. I tell them somewhere between five and eight meters. I'd say like six meters. And they have to have the car stop at six meters. Uh, how far off of that target actually determines their grade. And if you're within 10% of that target, you get 95% of the competition grade. If you're within 20%, so you're further away, uh, you get 
85%. If you're further away, you get 75%. If you're really far, like two meters off or more, you get 65% of the grade. Mm. Um, if you compete for distance, you have to go above 10 meters. Mm. And if you go above 10 meters, you get 95% of the grade. If it's less, you get 65% of the grade. So oh, that's more wow. of like a high risk. Mm. Um, the winning group in either category gets an extra 10%. Mm. So if you're the most accurate group, group you get 105%. If you're the furthest distance group, <coughs> if you compete your dist for distance and you get the furthest distance, even above 10 meters, you get 105%. Now, the way it's designed, this is the tricky part for engineering. You can fail in the competition, but still get an A- minus in that project. So even if your car did broke at the day of the competition or didn't work, the heaviest part of the grade is about the report and the presentation that follow. Mm. Your report reflects on your journey of how you built it, what you chose to build, why you chose this these material over this these material. How did you adapt for the axles? Uh, what made the trials before the competition work better or worse than the competition? Mm. What iterations, most importantly, what are the iterations of design? Because you don't design one car and you go with it. Most of the students you design one, you realize that it doesn't work in this direction or this direction. And then it becomes about optimizing the design, um, seeing where you have friction, where things are not working. Um, and it's a, it's a big learning process for the students because they aren't used to that type of um, agile thinking. Mm. They're used to, this is the question, this is the answer. And with the spring car competition, I tell them, don't focus on the science. The science, in terms of like th their instinct is, oh, the spring, I can calculate the spring constant and see how much it will stretch. And, but I tell them that, yes, that gives you some indication. But then in reality, when you build the car, if the wheels aren't properly turned on, then all of the math you're doing for the spring constant is useless. It doesn't help. Mm. There's so much friction and things you cannot account for that this is something, it's a design by fabrication. It's mm. designed by building. And you need to allow for more time for testing and for iterations. The other thing is they learn a lot of skills doing it. Mm. As a project, it's simple. You can do the mousetrap car, for example, a similar project. You can do it for middle school students if you give them the tools and the material. But in the engineering class, in this, in this project, they learn how to use the laser cutter. They learn how to do the 3D printer. And these are the type of skills that are offered as a side quest. On your own, you can learn how to do the laser. Um, like I'll encourage them. The laser cutter designs from the past years mm have been better than other designs. Mm. So, and, and they can see the designs from like two years ago, from last year, from three years ago, and they see which ones worked better than others. So some students three years ago decided to go with a foam box as their chassis. Uh, but the laser cutter became the bigger or most efficient one. So they would all go for the laser cutter. So Which is wood. Which is wood, but they have to learn how to actually put it in the laser cutter. Like mm -hmm. they have to design, the laser cutter can cut things very, very precisely to, the, to half a millimeter, mm -hmm. uh, actually to less than that. <laughs> um, so it is very precise. And so you just have to put the design in there. To have but, the design, yeah. you have to learn how to use Inkscape or Adobe Elements. Mm. So you have to use other skills to put it in that project. Mm. Uh, if you want to do 3D printing, make learn how to use the design, how to design something and incorporate it. So for what I'm understanding is that they're learning so much that is outside of what the actual assignment is, which is to create this car and, and get it to whatever desired outcome that they want. They're also learning teamwork uh, in, like in duos, yeah. at least for this project. And they're learning uh, how to use programming that they could possibly, uh, in the future, they can use as well, right? 
Hundred um, percent. Actually, earlier on uh, this year, I was able to add this. It's something I've always wanted to add. But this year, I started adding in assignments instead of regular solve this, find this number. Um, in science and physics, you would give a problem that is, you know, analyze what is the normal force on this object resting on the table, and there's just the one answer. In reality, engineering is using the scientific way of analyzing to design and plan for different scenarios. So in reality, uh, I don't just want to find the force resting on this. I want to see that, okay, if I had this, but many different sizes, or the size of the table was different, how would that affect the numbers? Yeah. So one particular exercise, I asked them to analyze one thing. It was like one problem, but they had to do it four times over. Yeah. Um, I asked them to solve the first part. They have the answers for all of this. But I told them, this is the first part. I want you to solve it manually and then put it in Excel mm. uh, and check that you're getting the same answer. Next part, which is asking you to, to find the same answer but for a different part of it, which means you're only changing the input. Again, you have the final answer. Confirm that your Excel file can get the same answers by changing the input. Mm. If you're changing the input and getting the same answer, that means your model is working for mm. this design. The third part was I wanted to find the resultant force, basically adding up the two results. And then eventually I told them, okay, what dimension if I change this height, by how much do I change it for this uh, structure to fail? Mm. And that's when it comes to actually having to play around with the different parameters that you have to see which ones cause more damage, mm. uh, which is basically in engineering terms is sensitivity analysis. Mm. Doing sensitivity analysis when you have... Um, a bunch of parameters to consider in your design. You run somewhat generic analysis to just see that this one is gonna cause the biggest change. This is the most sensitive. So if you have limited resources, you know that you need to focus on this particular one and be accurate with the calculations. Other ones can be, you know, calculated roughly, have a factor of safety, but if, based on the analysis and the numbers, of course, but you figure out that this is the dimension I need to play with. So that was something that they had to explore outside of just what was taught in the textbook. It was saying, okay, instead of just looking at this as a statics problem and we're analyzing that this is how it works, let's actually learn how to put this in a computer program. Two students chose to do it, not just in Excel. Uh, one did it in Mathematica and one did it in Java. Mm. Uh, but let's learn how to take this, put it in a computer model, make sure that our model actually gets us the same answers and then see what parameters change, what numbers. Um, so between that type of analysis uh, and I call that design-based analysis, or analysis, sorry, analysis-based design. Mm. You're designing something, but based on the different numbers and the analysis that you have. Mm. Uh, and then the spring card, which is telling, teaching them a little bit more about the fabrication-based mm. uh, design. Mm -hmm. This will teach them skills that they will need for the second semester, where they work on a semester-long project. The second semester, they work in groups of four to five students, and they pick the topic. And it's not about working with your friends, it's about picking the topic. So as a class, we spend the first week, a uh, week or two, discussing different ideas. This is what I would like to do, this is what I would like to do. And it has to be something that solves a problem and adds value. Uh, you can't just say, I want to build a car, I want to No, like last year, for example, a group of students decided to build a drone. Mm. But the project started, and actually I'll use that and give you an idea of how the second semester runs. Um, Come up with the idea that you want, 
we brainstorm together in class, but I have to approve the idea eventually. Uh, once the idea is somewhat approved by me, uh, they'll have to present in front of a panel, uh, the panel of judges, and that's their first milestone. Mm. Um, and we call it an elevator pitch, although it's a bit more than just an elevator pitch. Mm. They have to present for two minutes. Elevator pitches, I think, are usually one minute. Yeah. They present for two minutes and they do have slides to mm. show, which in an elevator pitch you wouldn't have the slides. But they present to a panel of judges and then they're asked questions. And these judges are students or teachers? No, the judges are teachers. Actually, um, um, I picked the judges based on the projects. Mm. Um, engineers as well. So like Mohandis Isa retired this year. I need to so staff as well, yeah. Staff, yeah. Mohandis Isa was always a part of it. Mike Oxford was a part of it. Sanad is always a helpful part of it. Nadim was a part of it always. Last year, because there was um, a group who wanted to do something about building a study hall building. Mm. So I asked someone from the OSL to come join and give them feedback mm. about, you know, this is how, from my perspective, this is what's important to me. From my perspective, uh, this is what's important to me. So taking in... Stakeholders. The, stakeholders. Mm. The panel is supposed to provide a perspective of the customer needs, the stakeholders, mm. and then also the perspective of the engineer or the technical of saying, you know what? you're considering this material for the battery. Did you consider this? Consider these alternatives. Yeah, exactly. Um, and their report has to respond to what those questions are. So taking it back to the drone, uh, the ones who wanted to do a drone, um, they wanted to do thermal scanning. They wanted to use it for the solar panels in Kings, saying that you can scan, get a thermal analysis, and decide that, oh, this panel and this panel is faulty or is giving off reading. So let's this, let's look at those. The budget for each project is 200 JDs. Mm. Um, when they started looking in the, in the elevator pitch, in the first milestone, uh, a lot of the questions were about the radio frequencies and how can you do the remote control. That will be the most difficult part. Mm. Um, and they gave them, Nadim gave them a lot of things to look at, to consider this or this for communication, consider this or this for propellers, for the battery, consider this, like, mm -hmm. look at other alternatives. Um, and then, Mohandis Isa, and, and they know, and I keep telling my students that the elevator pitch, the questions they get from those panels are meant to uh, not be scrutinizing, but they're meant to question everything they have about of their course, design. Of course, Because what I care about is after that meeting, you have an idea that is attainable within the semester, you can build it, and it's challenging enough. Mm. Uh, students sometimes like you can they might add a small part thinking it's a small part of the design but it shifts everything and it causes them it would be out of their scope so making sure that they're within reasonable scope mm. is the point of the first one and they have to write a report responding saying based on our defeat like these are the questions we got these are the alternatives that we were looking at and based on the discussion from the panel and the research we did afterwards we decided to move with ABC and then they work on it for the rest of the semester so the drone group, they got some feedback about some specifics, but then they had another meeting uh, with Solar Piso, I think their name is, uh, the company that does the solar panel maintenance for Kings. Mm. And it was Mohandis Isa helped connect with, I think Ma'moon was the name of the guy, um, the founder of the company. Um, we had an 11, we had a Saturday 11 a.m. meeting. Mm. The company, they work on Saturdays and they're like, we'd be happy to meet with the students. The students were excited to also meet everyone from that. It was an online meeting. 
everyone from that group was there, ready on time. And they had presentation to share, and they had questions. Mm. And the biggest takeaway, and, and the engineer on the other end was also very knowledgeable in the field, and he actually loved working with, like he kept saying that we love working with institutions, with, with educational institutions, with high schools or colleges, uh, because we don't just do busy work, we try to always innovate. We mm. have this and this technology. They actually have really good background in what they do. So the thing that they got away from it was the thermal cameras are very expensive. $12,000. Yeah. But another insight from one of the people on the team was that, you know, like the f- most important thing that I would see from my perspective in your project is safety. Because mm. in inspecting solar panels, you always have people climbing on top of things to see. Mm. So climbing on top of the gym, climbing on top of parking lots. And, you know, every solar panel, you have to climb on top of things to see it. So if I'm able to just see, I don't want thermal scanning. I want to be able to see without having to risk anyone climbing mm. uh, in one area or another. Mm. That is um, an added value. Mm. And they changed the scope of their project. Mm. Instead of it becoming about thermally scanning the solar panels to determine which ones are faulty, it was about helping with manual inspection mm. uh, to help with safety. Wow. And that allowed them to be within their budget and still give something that was added. Um, and the camera was actually still out of their budget eventually. Of course. But they made the design that it was about, you know, eventually they were going to add a camera and that will be the design. They managed to get it to mostly work except for the remote control, mm. uh, which led to interesting way of testing. Mm. Because at some point, they, the code works. Uh, when it's hooked up to a computer, you can get the drone to start running. They at first ran it at the low speed that it wasn't moving, but they got the propellers to move and run mm. or to spin. But then the next part was like, okay, what if we start instead of spinning at 100 RPMs, let's make it 1,000 RPM to see if it will start hovering. <laughs> uh, but the problem is like, okay, what if it does fly? Uh, they're like, yeah, we'll disconnect it from the computer so it doesn't take the computer. I was like, okay, but what if it flies? Like, it's not going to come back. Mm. You don't have a remote control to bring it back. It just, yeah. So they eventually tied it to a leash <laughs> uh, and they were ready to start testing. And that was towards the end of the semester. Uh, and they took it outside and they ran at a thousand RPMs and it started like hovering. Eventually one of the propellers actually broke mm. or didn't break it. It got, it got yeah. loose and mm. high, but they managed to not lose the drone because they had it on a leash, mm. uh, which was again, wow. interesting way of testing. Yeah, of course. You don't want to lose the drone. Of course. Um, and t- they still got a good grade, even though yeah. they weren't able to finish it completely, uh, because it was obvious where it didn't go according to plan. And I didn't penalize the entire group for, because like one person whose task was to actually work on the remote control um, and was given a lot of resources, but didn't do his fair share. Mm. So the way the grade is calculated for the second semester, there's a group grade, Mm. an individual grade, Mm. and you're not going to get the group's grade. It gets multiplied by a factor and you get your own grade. The factor could be anywhere from 70% to 110%. And it's based on your evaluation, my evaluation, and the group's evaluation of how you contributed to the project. Mm. So if you've done an amazing, and, and I give them four main categories, basically contributing to the idea and the, the whole design, taking initiative, being proactive and taking initiative, completing tasks assigned to you, 
I forgot what the fourth one was, mm. but how much you've contributed. If your team says you've done great in this, you'll get all the grade, you'll get even more than 100%. Mm. But if your whole team, and it was interesting to see literally in one project last year, one student got 105% and one student got 60%. Same project. Um, but it's a way to help them. They're all in for the product. Because one, one hard thing about teamwork is, especially in high school and in college, uh, a lot of some people don't. Yeah, some people don't do any work, yeah. and some end up doing all the work. Exactly, and the, and you have to kind of equal that out, or, or try to determine a way that uh, is, allows the system to show that some people did the work and some people didn't do the work. That's amazing, honestly. It, what I'm seeing is that uh, it's a type of class that uh, is you don't really see it in high school, and you don't, and uh, the it's really focused on the effort and the uh, engagement that you have and but also within a certain uh, way of doing things the correct way of doing things where it, your goal I th as a as a class is to as a group is to actually make something that is would help actually would help and that type of thinking is far away from our academic classes in, in general where it's all pretty much hypothetical and one answered so the way that you maneuver between all the problems and and finding different problems all the, uh, along the way and it, the idea evolving uh, throughout the whole thing. This drone example is really cool because they thought they wanted to do something and it ended up to be something completely... And But that wasn't penalized. What was penalized was other things that uh, um, were based on effort and, and uh, the little exactly. holes of, of things that they didn't consider. Yeah, the parts where they didn't do the work, when they weren't... And, and this is where... The second semester, you have multiple groups working on different projects, and I work with them. At some point, I shift from being their consultant to their project manager. Mm. Uh, because after they do enough research, they know the specifics of their project. So I just say, okay, are we had these tasks planned? They have to be done by the end of the month. What's the progress on this? What's the progress on this? And I talk to the team and individuals of, okay, do you need help with this part? Mm. Oh, you need help with this? You know what, talk to maybe Mr. Sanat can help you mm. with this, ask him. And I send them to different people that they can ask for guidance. Mm. Um, I, w I, I want to hear more about uh, your role in uh, the first semester and the second semester because it's, uh, you, you have the brainstorming process and the, creative, the, the process to create the, the idea and uh, hash it out and that's where your consultancy is right but then there's also the project and then the project management or the project leader so i mean but in the first semester are you are you a, a teacher uh, what is your role in the first semester up until this point for example we're still doing technical material so i'm teacher um and giving them the lessons uh as well every once in a while i would stray off from the class and talk about a project where like this was the problem uh, and just show them a real world project because mm. uh, they're interested to hear like for example one project I always talk about there's two projects that I would always end up talking about at some point in the year but one of them uh, was a construction project where it was delayed for a year and I advertised it to the students of saying oh the project where one man's decisions caused it to instead of finishing in uh, six months, it took a year and a half, and mm. instead of costing $7 million, it cost $13 million, wow. literally because of one man's decision, and it was the superintendent. Mm. Uh, but it's interesting for them to see of like, oh, this is the process of the project, this is the type of work that was happening, and these are the types of damages that from rain, like it caused, oh, 
they would never think that a rainstorm could cause so much damage in a project mm. and how over and over that caused it to be set back for a long time and one person continuously made the wrong decisions uh, that eventually the owner asked for that person to be kicked out of the project and mm. never step foot like any project related to them. <laughs> they told the contractor, this person of yours, I don't want them anywhere near Yeah, of course. Um, so they're interested to hear about that. But first semester, again, technical stuff, the project where they start working with the spring car, I give them more, I help them with learning how to use the software for the laser cutter mm. or the 3D printer. Um, I would help them with some designs. I would help them brainstorm. I would just think out loud with them, but I don't tell them things of like, oh, bigger gear will give you this ratio and work. No, they have to figure out what aspects of design mm. they want to work with. Uh, I'll give them pointers or how to use the tools that we have. The second semester, um, in some areas, I'm able to give them more specific guidance. Um, one group two years ago did a stormwater pond for Kings. They wanted to say, okay, what if we collect the rainwater in Kings? That I have a lot of really good experience. Like I have professional experience in New York, in DC, in Virginia, in Delaware, in Montana, of water resources, dams, and runoff, and all of that, and, and dam breach analysis and categorization. Because of that, I was their lead. Uh, and consultant. So mm. I was giving them the material, helping them. How I made them do their own research, but helped them with some of the resources. Mm. I would say, okay, go read this, and let's discuss this like next class. Mm. Uh, I want you to be able to categorize what these parameters are, and give me some idea of what these parameters are in King's Academy uh, campus mm. that we will use for our design. For the drone, for example, I don't have the technical knowledge for most of it. Um, so I'm working with them with the consulting, like, so Mr. Sanad helped them with the drone. Mm. Um, I'd be with them when they meet with someone from outside that would help them with some of the technical material. Mm. And I would follow up with them of, oh, Mr. Sanad said you should do this. Is that up to date? You should be doing this. Is that up to date? Okay. We need our, um, we need material. Okay. Yeah. I was like, you can't purchase the material. I'll have to get yeah. the material for you. So this is what I need. I need, you have your budget. I need the, the list of like the motors that you need, the brushes, everything. Go do your research. And that's what like Emil Bille did last year for mm. the drone project. He went, came back with the list, pictures, links, and everything saying we need four motors of this, this, mm. we need the propellers of this, we need the oscillator, the SC. And like, he chose had, everything and he just gave you a list of exactly what he needed and, and uh, you had to go through it. And I had to get, and, and when I was so excited that they had the list, like everything that I ended up same day. Actually, at first I tried some things I've gotten through purchasing this particular one. It was like, it's hard because if you get this motor, you have to get the CSC. Yeah, yeah. If you make any altercation, like they had three instead of four motors, we had to make to get four of the same type, which meant yeah. this had to be different. I went the same day and then was the ballad. Uh, you were so excited that you wanted to go to get the stuff. <laughs> got them everything the same day. Even like Emil was uh, the next day when I was like, I came, I went to the class with the receipts and the thing. I was like, I have goodies for you. You've <laughs> asked for this hype. And I took a picture as it, like, this is, you've received these items. Exactly. Uh, and this money is taken off of your budget now. You have this much exactly. left. What I love also is the diversity of topics that you go through. You're going from water management to. Uh, to drones, to everything else, I'm sure, like just crazy. And uh, it's, it, it's because it's student-driven. It's basically what they want. And, and that allows for their own motivation to, to, to grow and learn.
and they learn so just so much more. Yep, I agree. Like that, hundred percent. That's honestly that is the major idea or the, one of the biggest strengths of the class is that for the second semester they pick the topic. They're learning so many skills, but they're it's driven by what they want to learn about and what they want to work with. Um, which that's when the students give you more. They give you more all of their energy and their dedication because they want it to work. They want to share their work with uh, people and the variety. Yeah, we've worked. And, and this is the part that's really hard and I keep learning every year when I work with students on different projects that I learn about the specifics because we've had the drone was one thing we've done. Uh, a student's designing a building as a study hall building for Kings. That was a whole other engineering design, exactly. but it wasn't about the specifics of this is how big the column should be, but more of like, okay, we need it to serve this many students. Exactly. It needs to work in this capacity. Therefore, this location provides this over that. Uh, the, the building code means says that for this many students in one building there needs to be this much open space hallways need to be this big so they designed everything based on the international building code and they tried to include green like to make it uh, led or uh, LED. lead yeah. Uh, yes. yeah, lead the basically green initiative they looked at that as well as part of their design so designed it to those parameters the water one was another project we've mm. worked on uh, a group worked on creating a bionic arm for elderly people mm. uh, a group decided to create ret a retrospective technology you know how tesla or cars would stop if something runs in front of them mm. they were like okay what if we introduced this technology to a car that's like 1990 <laughs> to your mercedes and they did that they they and that's when COVID started unfortunately COVID has made it that it, mm. we've never been able to finish at least the first two years we didn't finish the projects all the mm. way through mm -hmm. uh but they got a camera they did it was mostly software yeah but they got a software they were that were going to train it for Jordan streets. Yeah. So literally they will be driving around and that's when COVID everyone was locked and they couldn't. But the idea was that they will be recording and driving around and help the algorithm learn that, okay, this is a moving object. This is an unmoved object. This is where you give the beep. So this variety is amazing. It's difficult to provide them with all the resources for what they want to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, there are some areas that I know a lot about. There are some areas I know a little bit about. And there are a lot of areas I know nothing about. Um, and me not knowing about an area should not be a reason to say no uh, to the project. It should be that if the project has, is, if it's attainable within the semester, they can do it. And it provides an added benefit. And if there's enough challenge in it, I want them to do it. It's amazing. I have two more questions. We have a little bit of time. Uh, I'm wondering about uh, if you've have had any conversations from uh, your previous students on how just that how it, right now the oldest would be a junior or a senior in college right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there some of them I'm sure I'm sure are in, in engineering and yeah, w what feedback have you gotten from them through this class? Um, it's thank you. It's a good question. And uh, so far they love it. I've talked to I, I tell the students that I want the last week they filled the survey for the course reflections every yeah. semester you have or every year you get the, those and I told them please like give me your honest opinion about everything but also like I'm gonna ask you for your opinion a few years from now because that in retrospect you have that's uh, yeah I want to know uh, because we again because of COVID if you remember we had the two graduations this summer yeah the class 2020 was the first engineering class I taught mm. so they were finishing their sophomore year now they're juniors uh, and I saw Yusuf Abdo, Ahmed Ababne, and Jack Jarjura. Nuruddin was online. So, uh, 
فوزي الجوهري سائد so a lot of the students were there and I asked them like how was it and they took the material that we took the technical material we take in the first semester you take it in college mm. uh, and so like the statics was set for them yeah. because they already covered most of it if not all of it uh, but it was the skills so like one I was happy with Jack Jarjura mm. I'm happy with all of them of course and the work they've done but Jack now runs the fabrication lab in his university wow Uh, I'm not sure which university he goes to. It's either mm. North Eastern, Western, or Tufts, one of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the makerspace. He's he, he's not like the one in charge. He's the student. Yeah, who, the student leader who yeah, the student leader who organ- yeah. oversees the space, helps the students, yeah. and like. But he's capable of doing that. That's that. That's the whole point. Is that uh, one? There's the passion and the desire, but also the capability of doing it through his uh, experience here. Because he always likes to go above and beyond. Exactly. And that's why, like, when when he told me that, I was like, okay, let me ask you this. What if I were to add one machine to our area or space here, what would be the most productive? And his answer was like a CNC machine, which makes sense. A CNC machine would actually be very helpful. Which is? Um, uh, something that's stationary that carves on wood or mm. cuts wood. Um, gives a lot of flexibility of working with wood with yeah yeah that. you get to move the wood as you like but it's kind of yeah it just keeps move, cutting yeah but it's not just like the saw oh, it okay. also like it cuts it, yeah. you can do a lot more oh, okay. designs it's very flexible okay i see what you mean uh but it's not cheap and not easy to mm. use but like he had an input of you know what like doing this would actually add a lot to the class mm. but to give you an idea more about jack because yeah, I, would, yeah. i would never want to take give the credit to the class i want to give it to the student mm. Uh, one day we were trying to describe something in three dimensions, uh, vector, and I literally trying to make it work for the students. I at some point tried to be handy and grab. There were a bunch of pens around me, and I grabbed them and I tried to visualize something moving in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw that like it wasn't working, or the pens kept falling. So next class, he, he came to me after class. He was like, Ustaz, what type of apparatus or something do you think might be helpful to visualize this? Mm. And I drew something on mm. a piece of paper. I was like, if this, like showing the axes and the vector moving in three dimensions, this would be helpful. Next class, he had it in front of me. He, 3D print, he made a design, used the 3D printers, printed it, and brought it. And I'm using it to this day. <laughs> Uh, that he designed like something that just to help me show a vector moving in three dimensions, and yeah. they understood it after like there was a visual thing. Yeah, of course. So being excited about that, that he was willing to, I didn't ask him to do. He came and asked me how he could help or how what apparatus could help visualize it. Mm. When I drew it, he took it, designed it, built it, uh, brought it to the class. Mm. So honestly, like one thing that I love about the class is the the students that I work with they want to learn about engineering and they want to learn about the field and the class is a 700 level that can easily be an 800 level class mm. uh, if i want to make the argument for it but i'm putting it on the side uh it's a 700 level class that's not an ap so all the students take it knowing that this is not going to be an ap they get a toji equivalency for but this is something they will learn a lot from if they're willing to put the work like i tell them i don't try to sugarcoat it of saying oh it's going to be a nice class you'll enjoy the work I tell them that it's a lot of work. They will enjoy it, but like, I give them the biggest, hardest expectation mm. so that they're able to follow through. So that combined with the fact that they're excited about it, they do give you their all. Wow. And so uh, what, what are your thoughts for the near future for you, for this class? What are you thinking about in terms of the future? Improving? Uh, there's always improvement to be done with the class. I think the... 
two things I need to work on more is incorporating more speakers from outside. I used to do that more in the first couple of years, mm. um, but having people come talk to students about the field, about you know what makes a good engineer in their field, mm. what had made a good engineer in the past 10 years, and what skills are needed in the next 10 years to be good in the field. Um, those are good. Uh, for example, like knowing how to use computers. Uh, I think that was the case 20 years ago where knowing how to use computers well was would have set you apart. Now that's an expectation. I think maybe knowing coding, like having good background in coding could be considered uh, that this is the skill that I think everyone's going to need in the next 10 years. Uh, I'm using that example as a hypothetical, but it's nice. I would like to involve more speakers from outside to talk about the field mm. and introduce like maybe some field trips here or there. Mm. Um, and another personal goal is I would like for... I need to reach a point where someone else can teach the class. Mm. Uh, I have the classes based on four different textbooks or four different classes I took in uh, mm. college and I'm mixing like parts from this, parts from this, parts from this. Uh, at this point, I have a solid skeleton of these are the lessons, these are the homework assignments. Uh, but then the work that happens in the second semester and the agility of like we do uh, for two, three weeks, we're working on the spring project, but this person needs help with how to do this woodwork. This person needs help with how to use the laser cutter. All of that is something I can like work with them and help them. But I, if someone else were to come teach the class, only a handful of people are able to do that yeah. right now. Yeah. So I'd like to make it that the classes can be replicated. Uh, yeah. So that just in the future, you know, you want this to be as there as for as long as possible and to be shared with. It cannot be just based on you. Exactly. And uh, one other question I have is, uh, we haven't really spoken much about, maybe, but uh, teach, like you as an alum being here and uh, your contribution as, as an alum, uh, both in this class and in general. Just, um, I mean, how was, your, how was your experience with that? What is, just uh, be, coming back, you know, you're the longest right now, how many years? Eight, seven, uh, six? Five. 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 Yeah, this is your fifth year. Uh, one my of the fifth, my fifth full year. Yeah, one of the um, longest withstanding alum uh, teachers and growing. So, <laughs> um, what keeps you? What keeps you here? Uh, what keeps me here, or what are the advantages as an alum being here? Just your thoughts. I'm really interested in your thoughts. This is going to this is going to be on King. So it's um, not not many people have this privilege. Um, knowing how things connect uh, is an advantage. Like as an alum, I'm coming back, I get to have a different view. You know, I have the view as a student of how we perceive things, and then I have the view as a teacher of how we perceive things. Having been able to come back when a lot of my teachers were still here, I'm able to ask them about certain incidents that happened when I was a student. And, you know, remembering my perspective about it, I want to hear their perspective now that I see it differently um, gives you a better understanding of how the school works, how things, you know, how the systems align, uh, which. Yeah. Um, gives you an idea of how the systems align and how to best optimize those systems for what's best for our students. Mm. Um, what keeps me here is the, I feel like there's always room for growth in so many things. And 
it's nice. Kings is one of those areas where if you want to help out in an area and you can, you're always welcome to help and grow it. Uh, it's a tough balance because sometimes that means you're overloaded and you can't really pick where you want to work. Uh, but th throughout, you know, with more time, a lot of opportunities present themselves where, you know what, I'd like to work with the student in the residential aspect in this sense. I'd like to work more with, so, so for example, since coming back, SUP, the engineering class have been two of the things that, like, big reasons why I'm here. Mm. Um, and SUP was an area where I had always volunteered and helped with before coming back. And then when I came back, I saw that SUP needs more support. And I did more work that eventually it became a part of my job responsibility to be one of the coordinators for the program. Uh, in where I can say, like, you know what, we need to grow this aspect, we need to grow this aspect, let's work on this, we need to d dedicate more resources. Um, and so, yeah. and now as a class dean as well, now class dean, yeah, but okay. that like doesn't have to do anything with SEP, but now that as being a class dean, now also, of course, is uh, I'm, I'm still learning, so I it's still early for me to talk about that <laughs> position. Um, it's, it's nice that you get to work more with the students in a more holistic way about their growth they're learning it's almost like a class dean is a glorified advisor i mm, would say i see what you mean um and you get involved with a lot of things related to the student specifics family issues non-family issues academic learning difficulties like accommodations that are needed here here and and you get to look at a lot of these aspects and help the student come up with you know the best plan to support them um so it's nice, but at the same time, you don't always have that luxury. Like it's honestly, it was only like last week where I managed to like take a deep breath and say like, not yeah, let me try this differently with this student mm. and this differently with this junior. Um, so it's exciting to be able to still actually learning, help. still learning, but it's exciting to be able to help students in a way that, in my opinion, can be better for them, more beneficial, productive, really help them get over this challenge or the thing they think is a big challenge. Mm. Um, nice. Is there any, is there anything else in terms of the engineering class where you feel like you didn't really want you didn't go into or you want to share that you think is important for for people to know? Uh, the thing that I think is hard about the engineering class is, for example, when we talk about the second semester projects that they're varied and that means very different technical materials. Um, outside of the perspective, and if I was an architect, I can market it as ten different classes. Yeah. Um, like, for example, we were talking with um, NewView, um, uh, some people in Boston who do a lot of fabrication and lab, uh, sorry, fab uh, maker spaces, and they design their own curriculum, or they call them studios. Mm. And we worked with them like a little bit, of, okay, let's see what your studios are. Give us an example. Nadine Zaza used to work with them as well. Mm. Eventually, what they call a studio is a class. And it's just about very, for example, they have a whole studio about prosthetics, mm. how to design prosthetics. Uh, that was technically one of the projects that my students did. And I, in the engineering class, it was more self-guided that they learned more about prosthetics. rather, And it wasn't just a class about prosthetics. It was a side project that they learned what in another place would call it a whole class that you would enroll in, have an instructor work with you all the way, help you learn how to create a prosthetic arm where my students had to learn it on their own and had to understand that, okay, right now your prototype is heavier than what it needs to carry. So like if learning the whole process, that was a group project within the class. In that same class, I had students working on water resources for Kings and students working 
what were the other uh, on designing a new student union for kings and they had that one designed in two phases phase one where they use what's existing and expand a little bit mm. phase two that includes construction <laughs> so technically like these three things could be considered as three different projects you can call it a hydrology class rather than just a project and you would have that as a whole class right now we're doing a capsule that's about hydrology and they're not even like they're doing big picture stuff the specifics like my not students, the applicable f- uh, like information that is needed to create up something yeah like my students had to analyze the drainage network for kings all of it they looked at the maps and they've gone on tours looking for taking pictures of okay these are this is this pipe this is this pipe on the drawing we have a pipe that goes here we don't see it but we think this is the location so this is why we are plan calculate how much water is going to flow in it and will the pipe be able to take all that water mm. so each one of those projects uh ends up basically being a mini class on its own yeah so in the class like this year i have 16 students so my second semester is going to have four major projects uh each one of those projects is almost a class on its own yeah in terms of the material the product the, the, the things that are in common between them is the project management of this this is the deadline we have to set up tasks and we have to take ownership of different tasks and we check on the progress but as far as the material and the research, literally each one is <laughs> almost a separate class. So while I'm teaching engineering design, I'm teaching many other things at the same time. And that's the part that as an engineer, I look for practicality. So I don't try to advertise it as something, come, I teach five <laughs> different studios. Yeah. No, it's about practicality. If I were an architect, I would market it as like, oh, I'm, like it's... It's five different classes. Yeah, yeah. It's a school of engineering <laughs> with studios in them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. uh, and we end it on a en- very engineering note <laughs> engineering <laughs> that, uh, can I give you an example of architects not being practical yeah sure uh, the paths in this school remember when Dr. Mira told us like walk the life is a journey life is a journey and they want you to walk on the path so you can enjoy exactly the school and frolic on the grass yes how many people follow that Zero. people walk on the grass every day because these paths were designed because they look nice they were not practical i agree 100 uh, percent. they weren't put in the places where people will walk and, and walking and getting from one place to another is an operational functionality like it's it's something that you need to have efficiency with mm-hmm. you've i've seen like a nice design where in a big field uh they actually visualized where people walk because when you walk on grass, you can see the grass is not the same. Yeah, exactly. And they were able to like, you know what? Most of the time people are going to walk from this point to this point. They'll go through here. They'll go through here or through here. So they did the paths based on where people walked (laughs) because that was easy and practical. So people walked on those paths (laughs) because it made sense. (laughs) They didn't have to go out of their way to walk on the path. Exactly. So that's, that's the difference. (laughs) 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 I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Always, (laughs) Always, <laughs> yeah. We could talk about other things too, but um, I know we have. Um, I have to go dancing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a meeting. Uh, actually, in three minutes, it's a meeting. But... <laughs> we have time. Perfect. Fifty-one minutes.